Amen. And I uh, thank the Lord for uh, churches that still stick by the stuff and still stick by the music that, uh, that God loves. Amen. And uh, I'm thankful for that. I'm thankful for this church again. And uh, thank you so much, Pastor, one more time for having me here this week. Thank you for all the meals. Oh, I'm sorry, just one meal. Right. But thank you, bro. I appreciate it. <laughs> he fed me for the whole week, amen. Praise the Lord. God's good. And uh, boy, I tell you, it is good to be here. And uh, it's good to be anywhere anymore, amen. But uh, I was just working uh, this morning. I just in the contact with about four or five different preachers and setting up my schedule for next next uh, summer, this coming summer and, and uh, fall, you know, and and I got to look at my calendar, and I started to book up, and I looked, and I thought, I cannot book that week. I have to come home for the week of the 6th of September, because that's my 50th wedding anniversary. <laughs> now, I've missed a couple of them, but only, only not that I forgot, but I was just out. I mean, I was gone, you know, and didn't get back to like October and November. But I'm looking forward to that 50th with my wife, and uh, she's got some plans for me. I don't know if I'm in on them, but she's got some plans for me. She wants the money for certain yeah. things, you know. I don't, like I said, I don't know if I'm in on them, but we'll find out what that is all about later on. But uh, boy, God is good, and it's good to be here uh, tonight. Again, uh, Genesis chapter 3. Let me, let me just make this statement. I have people all the time, before I get into this message, I'll just tell you this. Somebody asked me one time, they said, how did you meet your wife? Well, she was in the cell next to mine, you know. That's what, that's what, that's what, that's what, that's what, I tell, that's what I tell everybody. I had a pastor's wife a while back. She said, uh, you know, I got some old jailhouse tattoos. I usually wear long sleeve shirts because I don't advertise them, you know. But I do have a heart on my one arm, and there's a ribbon through it, you know. And some pastor's wife said, Brother Mike, can I ask you a question? I said, well, sure, sister, you may. She said, was there another name underneath that that?" Uh, tattoo underneath that ribbon on there and and before I could say one word my wife says yeah but my name's not Donna you know so I said <laughs> so 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 I said uh, what are you going to say after that so I said honey I said, I said Donna's crossed out she's no longer there I said you you are tattooed in my heart <laughs> yeah, you know she did next <laughs> <laughs> I deserve everything I get. No, I did meet my wife when I was in prison. Uh, some friends of mine I uh, used to hang with and get in a lot of trouble with. I got saved in about 1970 uh, when I was in prison the first time. And uh, when I got out in 71, they started witnessing to me. But uh, I went back a second time. They just kept on praying for me. I didn't have anything to do with them, brother. I didn't want anything to do with them. And uh, my wife started going to the church where they attended and attended a young adult Bible study. They got her praying for me. And they said, you ought to write him a letter. So she did. She wrote me a letter. And that developed. That was in December of 73. And January 15th of 74, another guy had been working with me for two years while I was in prison. In 70, uh, December 70, or January 74, I uh, called him, on, uh, wrote him a letter and said, Carl, I know I need to be saved. What must I do? He wrote me a letter back, explained the plan of salvation, got down on my knees that night in my prison cell and asked Christ to forgive me and to save me. My wife came and visited me. Jenny, she wasn't my wife at the time, came and visited me, I think somewhere around March or April, I think it was around April of 1970, that had been 1974. And um, I'd already done a little over two years. I was getting ready to uh, just start my third year on the second time around. You, know, you had to, you did one year for pro or one year for the crime and then two years for pro violation. You know, I deserved everything I got. I, if I wasn't saved, I'd be in there today or I'd be dead, probably be dead. But um, 
anyway, she visited me a second time somewhere around uh, uh, May or June, and I was in love with her, man. I mean, I'm not kidding you. I just, every time I get a letter from her, my heart would pitter-patter, and, you know, it's still pitter-patters, but now it's because of AFib, nothing else. But, uh, but, 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 but <laughs> I know she's not watching this night because she's in church, <laughs> Brother Albert's, amen. So <laughs> I'm safe tonight, amen. I got, I got to quit that. She always says, you need to stop that. <laughs> so anyway, I, the second time she visited me, I asked her to marry me. And she said, yes. And somebody asked her, what were you thinking? She said, evidently, I wasn't, amen. <laughs> so anyway, praise the Lord, coming up on 50 years with her, that woman has been through the thick and thin. I haven't always been the easiest husband to live with. Still not, amen. She did tell me one time, she said, I do thank the Lord that you are so strong in what you believe. And, um, and I thought she could say, I thank the Lord that you're so strong because you smell like garlic and this and that, but she didn't. Amen. No. But now praise God, you know, for my wife. I really do. She's a good woman and loves the Lord. And boy, I grew up as a, got saved when she was young out of Roman Catholicism. Her mother got saved. Her family is all Italian. Her grandparent, her grandfather came from Italy and her grandmother was born here, but her parents just came over from Italy when she was born here. And uh, so she's half Italian, you know, and I say the other half hillbilly. I said one time she's half Italian, half Indian. She's in a Wapa hole, but uh, that, didn't, <laughs> that didn't go over too good. So I got in trouble for that one. Amen. So anyway, let's look at Genesis chapter three. All right, foolishness is done. Maybe we'll see what happens. But Genesis chapter three with me this evening, again, and I want to begin looking. If you would, Pastor's already uh, done a great job reading this text tonight. And uh, I'm glad you still use the King James, brother. Thank you so much for that. Amen. I'm always afraid when somebody says, let me read the text. But that's the only places I go anyway. Nobody else will have me. And I don't know why, but uh, nobody else will have me. But Now, the serpent was more subtle than any beast of the field which the Lord God had made. And he said unto the woman, yea, hath God said, ye shall not eat of every tree of the garden. He begins to sow in her mind a seed of doubt. A seed of doubt. Uh, you know, doubt is the first thing. I've got this written. I wrote this out. So, because if not, I'll forget what I was going to say. But uh, doubt is the first thing the devil will do to cause uh, the devil doubt. The first thing the devil will do to cause doubt in your to enter into mind. That's what he's going to do. The first thing he's going to bring doubt in your mind that something is true or not true. <clears throat> Sometimes the doubt comes from within. Our own way of thinking. What we, what we believe is right sometimes. We think, we see something, we hear something, uh, you know, that, that maybe when we were kids and there's still infiltration to our mind even today sometimes. But sometimes it comes uh, not just from our own thinking and reasoning, but other times it comes from outside influence, which changes our thinking. We allow the world to influence. We allow TV to influence. We allow uh, other people. Sometimes we allow Christians who aren't living right to influence us. And yeah, that's a sad thing, but it comes that way. So God's Word, can I say this? God's Word never causes doubt within itself. God's Word. I'm talking about what God has written. It never causes doubt within itself. But it always causes, listen, but will always cause doubt. God's Word will, God's Word will always cause doubt with those that are not saved or with those who are living in sin and ungodliness. It will always, I tell you, if I'm living in sin and I begin to read the Word of God, it make, it's making me doubt what I'm doing. 
And that's the Holy Spirit conviction. Amen. You know, you can actually deny Holy Spirit conviction. Yeah. And, and, and the farther you get, here's what I love about God. He's never far from me, Pastor. No matter where I'm at, he's there. He's never far from you. He never leave us nor forsake us. But boy, I can sure turn my back and feel like he's a million miles away. But he never leaves you nor forsake you. He says in the book of 1 Chronicles chapter 21, verse 1, And Satan stood up against Israel and, and provoked David to number Israel. Interesting, that word uh, provoke there uh, means, it probably means to prick, to poke. It means to entice, to move, uh, to, to move, to persuade, to uh, provoke someone to remove or to set on or to stir up or to take away. So he provoked uh, David uh, to number Israel. And if he can provoke uh, David, who was a man after God's own heart, and you know what David did, amen. You know why the Bible says he was a man after God's own heart? Because he was quick to repent when God dealt with him. Hey, how about us? How long does it take for us to repent when God deals with us about the sin in our life, amen? It's something we ought to do right away as a born-again believer. We ought to, boy, if we think about it, we ought to be on our knees, and at least in our heart, on our knees, in our heart, and confessing that thing, regardless if you're at work, regardless if you're in the car, regardless if you're in the grocery store, and you're mad because you got the shortest line, and it becomes the longest line. Amen, you ever done that? 2 Corinthians 11.3 says, But I fear, lest by any means, as the serpent beguiled Eve, Paul writing to the church of Corinth, through his subtlety, so your mind should be corrupted from the simplicity that is in Christ. You know, it is simplicity in Christ. It's easy. Can I say this? It's easy to serve God if we're doing it his way. It's easy to follow him. Easy to be obedient to him. It's easy to confess our sin. He's made it, he made it so simple, so, so simplistic, brother, for you and I to get born again and saved by his grace and to stay right with him and to confess our sin. If, he says that he is faithful and just. That if we confess our sin, he's faithful and just. Forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. That's simple on God's side. We make it hard, amen. We make it difficult. Doubt. Well, a downward spiral of sin begins with doubt. Downward spiral of sin begins with doubt. The second thought I want to show you, and I know you know you've read this text probably how many times in your own life, but and like preacher said, I, I believe what Billy Sunday used to say, brother. He said, um, he said, I preach so that the coal miner can understand it, so the doctor will always get it. Amen. <laughs> I just preach because I don't know how to preach any other way. <laughs> Hallelujah. And he said, and the woman said unto the serpent. We may eat of the fruit of the trees of the garden. We may eat of the fruit of the trees of the garden. But the fruit, now watch this, but the fruit of the tree which is in the midst of the garden, God has said, ye shall not eat of it, neither shall ye touch it, lest ye die. Now you go back and you, if you go back and read verse 17, the Bible says, but of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, thou shalt not eat of it, for in the day that thou eatest thereof, uh, thou, uh, he says, uh, therefore thou shalt surely die. He says, it's going to happen. He said, but ye said, it's not, the devil says it's not going to happen. So now it causes her to deny the truth of the word of God. He says, you're not going to die. And she said, 
she said, uh, uh, he's, ye shall not eat of it, neither shall ye touch it, lest ye die. And he says, that's not going to happen. And watch in verse 4, says, and the serpent said unto the woman, ye shall not surely die. So now she begins to deny the truth of the things of the very word of God. When you allow yourself to doubt the word of God, you will then deny the truth of the word of God. You will seek to do that which is right in your own eyes. And you'll, you'll, you'll push God off to the side because you doubt his word. Now, I'm not going to ask you if you ever doubted something in the Bible. Amen. I'm not going to ask you if you ever doubted something that the Lord is doing in your life. And I'm, I'm sure uh, maybe you haven't doubted the Bible. I don't know, brother, but I'm sure that there's somewhere God's working in your life where you've doubted, doubted what he was doing. And we ought not to. We have to make sure that our relationship with God is such that when he speaks to our heart that we are willing to listen to what he says. I learned a long time ago, Pastor, um, um, I, I'm not care. I'm a prideful man. You know, I can do it, don't tell me how to do it, you know, and I don't want to help. Anybody else like that besides me in here, you know, you just, and, and I, I'm saying that in a, not a bad way. I'm just saying that's just my mentality, you know. My wife, our, our rule in our home is this. If I go uh, ask my wife, I said, would you like help with that? She said, what's the rule? Here's the rule in our house. If I want help, I'll ask for help. She says, you started this, and I never said it. Dr. Steve Weir told her that one time, and, and she stuck with that, and now she uses it on me about every day, amen? And I deserve it. I'm just telling you, amen. The Bible says in Proverbs 21, 2, every way of a man is right in his own eyes, but the Lord pondereth the hearts. The Lord knows the heart. He knows your heart. He knows right where you're at. He knows the doubt. He knows, he knows what it's done to you. He knows how you've denied some things in the truth of the very word of God. You know, when a person's... Um, uh, yeah, I've had people want to argue about, well, Jesus turned water into wine so then we can drink. No, you can't. You better study the scriptures, amen. Jesus hasn't changed. God hasn't changed uh, for mankind from the beginning to now. And then, and then today, I'm afraid it's not going to be a very long pre preacher. And I know churches today that are pro Baptist churches that are promoting social drinking in their church. You know some. I do too. It's not going to be very long before they're allowing marijuana to be sold in the parking lot or in the church auditorium or in the out out in the foyer. It's sad. But that I get aggravated with that. What happened to the Word of God? What happened to standing against sin? What happened to doing what's right as a believer in Jesus Christ? We need to preach about sin. We need to stand against sin. We need to do what's right. When you listen, when you do what's right in your own eyes, you're saying this. You're saying that you know better than God knows. You're saying you know better than God knows. You will, you will put God second place in your life. No longer will he be part of your decision making. Because you don't, you don't want to hear what he has to say. You don't want God's help. Because you didn't ask for it. Hmm. Imagine that. And he has now denied the position of total authority that he demands in your life. I like what he says in Exodus chapter 20, verse 3. Thou shalt have no other gods before me. You end up saying, I know what the Bible says, but I'm going to do this anyway. You'll be no better than those in Romans chapter 1, verse 25. Who were not saved? But that's how you'll look. 
What's it say there? Who changed the truth of God into a lie and worshiped and served the creature more than the creator who is blessed forever. Amen. You will end up changing the truth of God into a lie if you don't, if you don't get that thing right with God and get it settled in your life. And people are not going to believe what you have to say because now they're looking at you and they're saying, I didn't think Christians would act like that. When I got saved, I went back to the house where we used to do drugs. And that's what it was known for. And I walked up and I knocked on the door. And they answered the door and I stepped in and the first thing in the house was a kitchen. And there was about six or seven guys and ladies around the, the table. And they were all smoking dope, taking drugs. And, and uh, the first thing one of them did was he held up a joint to me and he says, here, take this. I says, I don't do that anymore. Here's what he said. Now, he was supposed to have been a Christian. He said, oh, I heard you became a goody two-shoes Christian. I said, yep. Don't bother me. Yeah. Call me what you want. I'm saved, amen. Yeah. You, you're not, listen, you're not getting me mad about that. I know I'm going to heaven, Amen. And then I went from room to room, and there was about a dozen to 13, 14 people in the house. I went from room to room to room to room, witnessing, giving the gospel of Jesus Christ. And that is the last time I saw any of them, other than one who I saw years later, who came out to hear me preach. Years later. I tell you, we need to be a testimony, amen. There's things in our life that we ought not to be doing. We ought not to allow it to drag us down. We ought to fight doubt. We ought to fight denial of the very truth of the word of God. What happens when denial comes? Look at this with me, if you will, down to verse 5. Uh, for God doth know that in the day ye eat thereof, then your eyes shall be open, and ye shall be as gods, knowing good and evil. Mm. And when the woman saw that there was, the tree was good for food, and that it was pleasant to the eyes, and a tree to be desired, to make one wise, she took of the fruit thereof and did eat. Desire. By the way, there it says it was desire. It says she saw it, the tree was good for food, pleasant to the eyes, and a tree to be desired. Doubt will, doubt will cause denial, and denial is going to come, then it's going to bring desire in your life for something that's not, 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 not right for you, not what you should have, not what you should want. Men, uh, men's desire if they're married should be their wife, amen? Serve the Lord and their wife. Yes. Ladies, their desire if they're married should be the Lord and then their husband, amen? Children should be desire to love the Lord and then their parents. And parents should love the Lord and then their children, amen? God's always first. Don't put him out of the picture, amen? We need to make sure, I'm telling my friend, we just need to make sure that we are on the right side of this thing. Because it's a downward spiral, it's a downward slope that leads you right, it leads you to destruction. Desire. Once denial has taken place, the next step is downward spiral and desire defined uh, desire defined in the Noel Webster's eighteen twenty eight dictionary. Amen. I love it. <laughs> I love that dictionary. Can't read it, but I love it, amen. So there's an emotion or an excitement of the mind. Directed to the attainment or possession of an object from which pleasure, sensual, intellectual, or spiritual is expected. A passion excited by the love of an object or uneasiness at the want of it and directed to its attainment or possession. Boy, she saw something there that she desired. She wanted 
that God had said no to. Did I ever say no to you in anything in your life? But yet you still desired it. Oh, can I share a personal story with you? A few years ago, I had a 1979 Chevy one-ton pickup. I don't know if you ever saw that one preacher or not, but uh, I had out in New England a couple of times with me, and, and the thing uh, the thing was starting to fall apart. Uh, the uh, crankshaft was, uh, had a bearing, and that thing was slapped forward and backward, and kept on losing fan belts, and about every 50, 60 miles, I had to pull over the side of the road and put another fan belt on it, and and uh, you know, and then every time you step on the brakes, it was it was so rusted out anymore that the the body would shift on that frame, you know. And I told my wife, I said, I found a truck, and, and it was in a it was in a uh, advertising our mission. A guy wanted to sell it. It was a I think it was a 1993 Dodge at the time. Um, it was a 93, I think it was 93 or 91 Dodge uh, Cummins uh, Cummins engine with an automatic in it. And I told my wife, I said, I'd love to have that truck. That's exactly what I'm looking for. It was, the thing was longer than, it was a cab and a half, but it had a 56 inch sleeper put in it. And so they cut the frame and added 56 inches to it, dropped that sleeper in it. The perfect truck to travel with, you know. Just love that truck. And man, I saw that truck and my tongue started dragging on the ground, you know. And I told my wife, I said, that's the truck that we need to have. And she says, did you pray about it? I said, yeah. Prayer like this, Lord, you know I want that. Thank you. <laughs> Anybody else ever do that besides me? Amen. That truck cost me about uh, maybe eleven thousand dollars, I think, and uh, just paid it off. And next thing I know, I lost the engine. Engine ten thousand. Six months later, I lost the transmission. Transmission. For that one, 2,500. Rebuilt. Three months later, lost the transmission again. Pulled that out, put a stick shift in, it cost me 8,000. By the time I was, by the time, you see how much money I had in that truck? Now, now I could only get about 2,500 out of it when I was done, brother. So I'm just saying, why? Because, why? Why, Mike? Because I had a desire. It wasn't what, listen to me. Somebody says, well, God will give me the desires of my heart. Listen to me. He will give you the desires of your heart when and only when your desire becomes what he desires for you because then your desires change and he will give you the desires of your heart. Her desire comes to the fact that she now believes the words of the devil over the word of God. Be thou not envious, the Bible says, against evil, evil men, neither desire to be with them. Let's, let's believe the word of God. Let's not believe everybody else, but let's believe the word of God. He says, if they then be risen with Christ in Colossians 3, 1, seek those things which are above, where Christ sitteth on the right hand of God. Set your affection on things above and not on things on the earth. For ye are dead, and your life is hid with Christ in God. When Christ, who, who is our life, shall appear, then, ye shall, then shall ye appear also with him in glory. Mortify. Make yourself dead too. Mortify, therefore... He says, your members, that's your body, not all the members of the church, your body. Kill it, get rid of it, don't desire it, push it away. He says, oh, my friend, mortify therefore your members which are upon the earth, fornication, that's immoral lifestyle, wicked, 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 ungodly, immoral lifestyle, 
uncleanness goes right along with it, brother, man. He's not talking about taking a bath in, in, uh, in bubble bath, you know. He's talking about the, the heart wickedness. Inordinate affection, unnatural, that's unnatural affection. Boy, do we ever see that today, amen? An unnatural affection, men with men, women with women. It, it's sad. Evil concupiscence, a concupiscence, a big word. I can't hardly say it, let alone know what it meant, brother, but I looked it up one time. It's not in every dictionary. Do you know that? It took me a little bit of time to find out what that meant. And I still can't explain it to you other than this. See, there you go. Anyway, to me, here's what it means. A deep-seated lust, lusting after lustful things. Oh, I tell you. He tells us to stay away from it. And covetousness, which is idolatry. Man, what do we worship today? This reading again on the internet where they're still trying to take away the cash money from you and from me. Don't be surprised if it happens, amen. Don't be surprised. He said, but lay up for yourselves treasure in heaven where neither moth nor rust. You, you quoted this last night, I think, brother. Where neither rust, uh, yeah, rust. You know, I'm, I'm, now, let me rewind. I got it now. Amen. <laughs> but lay up for yourselves treasure in heaven where neither moth nor rust doth corrupt, and where thieves do not break through nor steal. For where your treasure is, there will your heart be. What? Also. Your desire can become so strong in your life to get what you want that you could possibly turn your back completely on God and not have anything to do with Him. You say it never happened, Mike. I've seen preachers that now, if you talk to them, I'm talking about preachers that preached the gospel, brother, stood strong, preached what was right, preached on sin, preached godliness, preached holiness, preached purity. I, I know some that today, if you go to talk to them, don't be surprised if you don't hear some filthy language out of their mouth. Because I've heard it. Well, that's another one that bugs me. Preachers that cuss. I've heard that too. I get, I get aggravated sometimes, amen. You wouldn't know that knowing me. You'd think I'm just the most mild and meek person in the world. I know that, amen. Just because of the looks of this beautiful face up here, you know. <laughs> Thank you, bro. I appreciate that. <laughs> verse 6. Look at me down verse 6. If we see a doubt, we see denial, we see a desire. And then look at verse 6, the Bible says, And when the woman saw, again, the tree that was good for food, and that it was pleasant to the eyes, and a tree to be desired, to make one wise, she took of the fruit thereof, and did eat, and gave also unto her husband with her, and he did eat. Uh, here's, here's the thought I get. You always see these pictures in, in your mind that people talk about uh, that he, he ate of that fruit and then, and then uh, she, or she ate that fruit and then she walked over and found where he's at. The Bible says he was there with her. I wonder if it was like this. Go ahead, honey. If you don't die, then I'll try it next. Amen. I don't know. I'm just simply saying, my friend, that he was there. The Bible says she ate it, and then she gave it to him, and he ate it. That's why the Bible says that Adam was deceived, or Eve was deceived, but Adam chose, amen, to sin. That's why the sin nature goes back to Adam and not Eve. 
Disobedience always comes as a result of wrong desires. Disobedience comes as a result of knowing the truth and making a decision to choose the wrong over the right. It doesn't matter how much deception is used against you or how much or how, much or how strong your desire is or even if how much denial you might be in. The truth of the matter is you make the final decision to sin or not to sin. You make the choice to sin or not to sin. God doesn't make you sin. Oh, he brought the trial, brother. He let me go through this trial. God doesn't make you sin. He always gives you a way of escape, he says in Corinthians. Amen. Always gives you a way, always gives you a way to be able to bear it. Why? Because God loves you. He made it way possible for you, not just to be saved, but to live right while you are saved. I like what he said in 1 Samuel 15, 22. And Samuel said, Hath the Lord as a great delight in burnt offerings and sacrifices, obeying the voice of the Lord, behold, today, or to obey is better than sacrifice and to hearken than the fat of rams. He says, just obey God. He said, he liked, it. he liked people to obey even more than the sacrifice that was given unto him. That's all he wants from you and all he wants from me. First John 2.16 says, For all that is in the world is the lust of the flesh and the lust of the eyes and the pride of life is not, uh, is not of the Father, but is of this world. James 1.15 says, Then when lust hath conceived, it bringeth forth sin, and sin, when it is finished, what? Bringeth forth death. I'm convinced that some born-again believers, brother, sin unto death. I'm convinced that some born-again believers go to heaven early. Now, if, if a person dies early, it does not mean that they're in sin. Amen? Amen? But I'm convinced that many go to heaven early as Christians because of sin in their life. And God finally says, that's enough. That's, that's just enough. Whereas by one man's disobedience, many were made sinners, so by the obedience of one, many shall be made righteous. Now I'm going to jump down a few verses to you. You know the story. How many of you know the story of Adam and Eve in here? Every hand probably ought to go up. Amen. Unless you haven't been in church in a long time, or you're not familiar with the scriptures, but... I want to skip down with you, would please, uh, with me to, well, let's go down verse 15. The first promise of a Savior, he said, I'll put enmity between thee and the woman, and between thy seed and her seed. It shall bruise thy head, and thou shalt bruise his heel. Unto the woman, he said, I greatly will multiply uh, thy sorrow, and thy conception in sorrow. Uh, thou shalt bring forth children, and thy desire shall be to thy husband, and he shall, be, and he shall rule over thee. And unto Adam he said, Because thou hast hearkened unto the voice of the wife, and hast eaten of the tree of which I commanded thee, saying, Thou shalt not eat of it, cursed is the ground for thy sake, and so shalt thou eat of it all the days of thy life. Thorns also and thistles shall bring it, thanks Adam, thorns and thistles and goldenrod, amen. Well, I tell you what. Thorns also and the thistles shall bring it forth to thee, uh, and thou shalt eat of uh, the herb of the field. Uh, in the sweat of thy face shalt thou eat bread thou, uh, till thou return unto the ground, for out of the, it was thou taken, for dust thou art, and unto dust thou shalt return. And Adam called his wife's name Eve, because she was the mother of all living. Unto Adam, now watch this, unto Adam also and to his wife did the Lord God make coats of skins and clothe them. That was the first sacrifice in the garden. Before they ever left the garden, God showed them how to sacrifice. And he made them clothing. Watch. Verse 22. 
Here's what's sad. By the way, can I, can I tell you this, that all of this leads to downward spouse and leads to destruction? Leads to destruction. Watch what he says. And the Lord God said, Behold, the man has become as one of us. What's the us represent? The, whole, the, the Trinity. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Ghost. To know good and evil. And now lest he put forth his hand and take also of the tree of life, eat and live forever, and eat and live forever. Therefore the Lord God sent, them, uh, sent him forth from the garden of Eden to till the ground from whence he was taken. And then uh, he could have stopped right there. But here's what's sad. I, can just, I, I, I get this picture in my head. See if you picture this with me. Because then he goes on to say this. So he drove out the man and he placed him or placed at the east of the garden of the Eden of Cherubims uh, garden of Eden of Cherubims and flaming sword which turned uh, every way to keep the way of the tree of life I want to look at the first part of that so he drove out the man I get this here's the picture I get in my mind the gate opens Adam and Eve had never seen outside that garden before. That's where they lived. That was their home. The gate opens. I can just see here. And they begin to step forward. And I can just see them hesitating and stopping. And then here's the Lord. Pushing them out into darkness. Cold, rain, no, no rain yet. It will be, amen. Cold, just, I'm just telling you, my friend, what a picture. What a picture we ought to have in our head of how God does not like sin. You ever felt in your life, have you ever felt like maybe God was far from you? I have. And it's not because of God, but it's because of me. Not because of my wife, not because of my kids, not because of my grandkids, not because of my son, not, not because of anybody, but because of me. That's not a good feeling, amen? Sin will always bring destruction to you. It will destroy your family, your friends, your home, your marriage, your job. But most of all, it will destroy your, will destroy your relationship with God. Now listen to this. Sin does not ease pain. Sin causes pain. Sin does not stop a problem. Sin is the problem. Sin does not heal a relationship Sin is the uh, sin is uh, destroys a relationship. Sin does not help bitterness, anger, hatred. Sin is bitterness, anger, and hatred. Sin does not stop backbiting, tail bearing, dissension. Sin is backbiting, tail bearing, and dissension. Sin does not live in the truth. Sin distorts the truth. Sin will destroy you. Not help you, but hinder you in keeping you from being what you ought to be as a child of God. That's sin.
You get to thinking, I've had a privileged pastor of witnessing to, I couldn't tell you how many people, I don't keep track. I've seen a number of people get saved, I don't write their names down, I don't, couldn't tell you the number, you know. And I have to keep some kind of records for the mission, but I, I'm terrible at that. I'm just, I'm the worst record keeper in the world, amen. I am so disorganized, it's pathetic. My wife tells me that too, but... <laughs> But I get to thinking uh, about, I've seen some people, just some people, man, New England, New Britain, Connecticut, I had a privilege one day, I heard an old rickety car pull up into the parking lot of a preacher I was at there, pull up into his driveway, and I had my trailer parked in his driveway at his house. And the guy gets out of a car, man, he was just loaded with tattoos, long hair, loaded with tattoos, and, and uh, I noticed when he got out, he had two big tattoos. He had one on his right arm that said Diablos. And on the left arm, you might be familiar with these guys, Nomads, Motorcycle Club, out of New Britain, Connecticut. And he was wanting to know if so-and-so lives in the house. And all oh, the preacher lives there now. They, they, the church bought it. He said, church bought this? He was up there looking for drugs, probably, you know. And I got to witnessing the gospel of Jesus Christ with him. Tell him how he can be born again, saved by the grace of God. And he, all of a sudden, he just started weeping. And he says, Preacher, you, you don't know what I've done. He said, I don't think God could forgive me. And I, stood, I talked to him for about an hour, I think. I stood there and just sort of wept with him. I said, Brother, I said, listen to me, sir. I said, you don't know what I've done. And you won't but God has forgiven me. Amen? And I want you to understand something. No matter how far you get from God, no matter how much you deny, no, how, no matter how bad it gets, no matter how far into destruction you get, God is always there to forgive you. There's not one thing that man can do that God cannot forgive. He can forgive. I was in prison with a guy doing a second-degree murder charge. He'd been there about eight or nine years. He got saved by the very grace of God. About eight or nine years later, he got out of prison, became a preacher, independent Baptist in North Carolina, brother. You know, he's gone today. He was one of the guys I heard preach in prison a year before I ever got saved. I'm just simply telling you, God can save anybody. And he can save you if you don't know him in a personal way. We have our heads bowed and our eyes closed. Two questions.